I'm Rob Skinner, and this is the Rob Skinner Podcast. Today on episode 88, I talked to James Thomas from London, England. James is a disciple, architect, and ultramarathon athlete. He's built opera houses, towers, and buildings all over the world while serving as a leader in the London church. He's run races over over 200 miles and has helped his kids follow Christ. Last year, his small group helped three couples become Christians. Listen as he shares how to keep your passion for Christ and life going and growing your entire life. How to stay close to your kids and inspire them to follow Christ. How to excel in your work and not lose your family or your faith. How to live a no-regrets life and make this life count. All this and more on the Rob Skinner Podcast. Welcome back to the Rob Skinner Podcast. My goal is to inspire you to live a no regrets life, to make this life count, and to multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Today on my program, I have an old friend from 30 years ago, and that's James Thomas. He's a disciple now living in London, England, with his wife, and he's got two kids. And James and I knew each other when I was the church leader in Seattle, Washington, back in 1992 and 1993. He was a student at the University of Washington, and we've kept in touch over over the years, especially the last couple years, and it's been very inspiring to me to catch up and see what, what this man has been doing with his life, his marriage, his family, his career, and the way that he's making this life count. James, welcome to the program. Thanks, Rob. Good to be here. <laughs> it seems like a time warp because when I when I knew you before, you had long, curly, blonde hair, and you were just a crazy young college student, just fired up, and now you're in your early 50s. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the years do go by, don't they? They do. It's crazy. Well, if you could just share with us, how, how did you become a Christian? Right. So I had some faith growing up at Church of England um, and um, and then I'd started kind of seek, seeking at a quite a young age um, but in a very hypocritical way and uh, I'd gone along to a big uh, gone to church camps as a teenager and um, and then I'd gone along to a big um, mission um, and prayed Jesus into my heart at um, 15 I think and um and then from then I just kind of wandered from church to church and I think in some ways I had a good heart and I thought I was a Christian and I knew my bible quite well um but it was you know definitely Sunday morning I would find a local church and I'd turn up there and no matter what I'd been doing on Saturday night and that had gone on from 15 till I was 23 um and and inside, I was just, it wasn't good. And I just, um, 
been traveling. I've been 26 months in Japan working. And then I'd gone um, out to visit my girlfriend uh, who'd been out in Kenya. And that had just fallen apart. And she dumped me on my birthday, my 23rd birthday. Um, and it was my fault, totally. Um, and I just remember going out into the desert, it was in northern Kenya, and praying, God, I'm so far from you, but I want you. And um, uh, like a month later, <laughs> I arrived uh, um, into New York and then a greyhound across America. And uh, just like the next day, I was getting off a bus in the university quarter and two guys, Walter Stanford and Angelo Pancho, invited me off the bus. And I had these tiger print uh, MC Hammer um, pants on and a, a Godzilla little but, but, uh, rucksack. And they invited me and I said, sure, I'm looking for a church. And, um, and so they invited me and I went straight in that evening to a, um, a brother's uh, student ministry dinner. And I was instantly amazed. I mean, having seen so many churches. And then I uh, came to church on Sunday and I put my hand up and said, I want to be baptized. And, um, and I studied uh, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and was baptized the following Sunday. And that was 29 years ago. That's crazy. What was the date on that? 13th of October, 91. 1991. Well, wow, okay, that was just a few months before Pam and I arrived there. And... Did you graduate from the University of Washington? I had a degree um, already, and I was um, on exchange doing a master's in architecture. I see. So I went, I went back. So you led not just the um, Seattle Church of Christ, but you also led the UW ministry. So you were, you know, that was uh, good days. I remember eating, uh, being introduced to pancakes on your uh, <laughs> living room floor. <laughs> and... Um, uh, and I went back um, to England and um, I was part of a church plant in two Liverpool where I finished off. Oh, so you're part of a, a mission planting then? Yeah, yeah. It was, uh, it was funny. There were already a couple of students there and um, I went back and joined them and uh, God was amazing. And three or four became 17. And then they said, oh, well, let's make it a church. So, um, so then uh, that was. I was part of a church planting by, by the following summer, by the summer of 92. That's amazing. Okay, so tell me, how long have you been married and how'd you meet your wife? So um, uh, after that, I came down to London uh, the following year. So I just, I'd kind of come back from America and then come down from Liverpool when I finished my master's. And, and then my wife, Amanda, it just been uh, she was uh, invited in Sydney, Australia. Um, we're both Londoners. Um, well, she's kind of Essex, actually, the edge of London. She wouldn't like being called a Londoner. Um, but she and I kind of walked into the same church uh, uh, um, sector of the London Church of Christ, southeast, um, in um, probably early '93, um, and uh, we I saw her and across the room as she came in and we talked at the end of the church service and we talked and talked and talked and talked and suddenly we looked around and we were the only two people left in the car park and wow. um and we went on a date um a month or two later she was booked out for lots of dates so i had to wait and then um we got engaged we started dating a few months later and um in november 
95, we got married. So that's 25 years ago, last November. Wow. Congratulations. Thank you. Yes. And now you've got a couple of kids. I do. Um, so we have uh, JJ, um, who's 21, and um, he's a disciple. Um, he's part of the, the London um, student ministry, and he leads a Bible talk, and he's um, a musician. He's very, uh, he leads the, um, um, the, the band in uh, one of the, where, in the sector where the London student ministry is very talented. And, and, and I have a daughter, sorry, and I have a wonderful daughter who's um, a very good-hearted daughter, uh, Millie, who's 17, and she's been a disciple a couple of years. Wow. W one thing that just in get reconnecting with you, James, is the work that you're doing, plus this, you're, you're all invo involved in ultra, ultra runs and crazy stuff, and I just go, how, you know, the kids are disciples, you're, you're spiritual, you're strong, and you're really succeeding at your work. Can you tell me a little bit about your work, what you're doing, and some of the things that, that you've, you've done? Sure. Um, yeah, and I suppose, I think I kind of had a sense but that I wanted a lot from life, and I wanted a lot from life before as a Christian. And then when I got introduced to the church, I just saw these people who had such rich lives. That student ministry back in 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 Seattle, just amazing. And I and that verse, you know, John ten ten, where Jesus talks about, "I come to you have life and life to the full." And I wanted a full life. And I, what I saw was, I think, take hold of that, you know, that that you can have this incredible life. So I was, yeah, I'd been studying architecture. Actually, I wasn't a very good architect. I really wasn't. Um, <laughs> and um, I like. Like my university professors told me, we really don't think you should be doing it. We should do whatever else. But <laughs> but I kept going at it. And it, I, so God has been good. It's, I've um, I've ended up working for some of the you know the best firms. Um, so Norman Foster, Lord Foster, he's probably the most successful architect in in, in the last thirty years. Um, and uh, so with him, um, I worked on Beijing Airport, which is the biggest building in the world. Um, and we worked on the World Trade Center competition, um, which was pretty epic. Um, and um, then I, um, I did a startup, which sort of went okay, but not quite so okay. <laughs> um, and um, I worked on a nuclear power station, did a master plan for a 15 billion pound nuclear power station, which, um, and uh, then I, um, and I've done an opera house in Morocco for the King of Morocco. So that was a lot of fun. And um, and my dad also is an architect, and he did work on Sydney Opera House. So um, as an architect, so it was very nice that he could do Sydney Opera House, and then I could be doing a, a very similar Opera House for the King of Morocco. And it was great to meet the King. And I, I I was asked to do the ceremony and meet the King of Morocco and present the project to him. So that was, and um, and then I've just finished a um, a uh, residential skyscraper, the first skyscraper I've worked on um and um yeah so it's been fun and i've got a nice home as well i've uh, rebuilt a 1929 home and have um straw bale construction i'm quite into environmental things so straw bale construction the new build and green meadow grass roofs and it's built around the living tree so that's fun wow okay so tell me a little bit about about that house like how did you come up with the design um 
Yeah, um, I think the design is, you know, when it says that there's nothing new under the sun, it's, I think, well, and I, as an architect, you kind of go places um, and you see things and you see things you like and then you take them, take them in. Um, and actually living and working in Japan um, is had a huge influence on me as a young man. Um, and I, uh, there were lots of different things that design influences I want to incorporate. You know, this environmental design. I feel like, you know, we, God did make us to be, look after this earth. Right. And so we need to design in a, in a greener way. And so using straw bale and not cutting down these ancient fruit trees, but building the new construction around them was really important. Um, and then there were some kind of fundamental things, practical things. My wife has got a, um, a hip issue. She was born with a congenital hip. So I wanted to make sure that there weren't any, um, so there's a lift. We put a, a new lift into the the, um, the house um, in 1929. She doesn't need it. She's She's great, but I just wanted to make sure that that was there for her and that we'd have a granny room as well so that grandparents, if they ever, when they come, they can, they can uh, have a lift and they can get through. Um, so, so it was all these things. And, you know, I guess I've been doing architecture for a long time and I got some yellow, some tracing paper and I sketched and sketched and sketched for five years. And my son said, come on, dad, when are you going to start doing it? And eventually I said, okay, this is it. And we found a builder and, and so, Now I've heard that land in London is some of the most expensive. I mean, ho homes, houses, one of the most expensive in the world. How did you ever to find a piece of property? Did you, did you tear down an existing building or? Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, the front half of the house is 1929. Um, and, and I kind of like that, that you've got this historic part that you look at the house on the outside and it looks 1929. Um, and then you open the front door and it still looks like you walk back into 1929. And then you go to the end of the first corridor and you open the door and then, whoa, okay, this is not 1929. This is 21st century. Um, <laughs> yeah. uh, lots of glass and timber and, um, and straw and, um, uh, you know, green roofs and trees and things like that. So I, um, yeah, that was fun. Wow. I look forward to seeing it at some point. That'll be great. It, I sold houses. I was a realtor for about eight years while I led a small church in Oregon. And so, Whenever I talk about people's houses, I can't even go into people's houses without looking in every room. <laughs> they must think I'm the most nosy person in the world, but I still find houses very, very interesting. Let's switch subjects and talk about another aspect of excellence in your life, and that is you've gotten into ultra endurance events. Can you, can you yeah. share a little bit about how you got into that and some of the events that you participated in? Sure. So even as a kind of young disciple, I, I kind of love the kind of comradeship of, of disciples doing sports together back in Seattle, going out and trying to learn how to play American football tag and not have any clue. And I came back to London and we did, you know, a bit of mountain biking and, and, and then we played soccer together and, and rugby. And there were some really great teams and that was great. And I continued doing that. And then when JJ, my son, first son came along, I, I kind of didn't really have time. So I, I kind of got into running instead, which actually I'm much better as a runner. And, and I did that and I run 
um, and Mark Templer, who led the church in London, was into running as well. So that was nice. So we um, and I ran London Marathon and New York Marathon and um, and uh, and then London again. But I I got sick of it and I was doing it on my own and I didn't have anyone to run with. And um, this was 2003 and some other things were happening as well. And as so I finished the London Marathon and I got the time I wanted and I stopped and I really stopped. Um, and I. Um, I put on uh, 45 pounds in eight months. I, uh, um, I, I didn't, yeah, I just went from <laughs> quite light and skinny and a runner and I just uh, didn't thought I was, I thought I was great. And I just <laughs> thought I was eating well, and, um, but I was um, not doing well. And it took me um, uh, 10 years before my kids kind of said, dad, you know, you, you, they had a song about me being packed. Um, and about my belly and uh, it was sort of out of, out of the, the mouth of babes, but it was helpful. Um, they, they spoke the truth, maybe not sort of in love um, to me. And, um, and I started um, and I moved, I moved out and uh, a brother who lives nearby said, hey, James, you used to run. Why don't you come and do this event with me? And uh, this event was a 24 hour race through the Lake District, through the mountains. And I... Um, <laughs> I, I guess I still thought I was this marathon runner, you know, and I thought that the 40 pounds were, were not there. And I lost a few of them, but not, not maybe 10. And uh, I went and did this event and I just self-destruct. And I got slower and slower. And in the end, they left me. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I left, I ended up in, it's a 24 hour cutoff. And I um, finished the race more or less on my hands and knees in 30 hours oh my um, on my own out of water and uh, in so much pain and I just I had to finish it because I'd raised money I was raising money for hope so right, it was like right. I can't not do it so um so that was then and that was like 10 years ago um yeah just just gone 10 years ago um and I didn't do anything for a few years um and then my son said hey dad why can't we why don't we do something together and he was 13 so we came up with an idea of doing a race and it was a bit shorter and then the next year we did a, a, a again a 24-hour mountain race not quite as long and he was 14 and he did it I mean it was hard for both of us we were both um but we did it and then the next year we did it again and he got hypothermia oh my god um and so on the way back he said hey dad that wasn't great let's do can we do triathlon instead but now what I do is I do ultra running sort of in the winter months and then I do triathlon in the summer months so um uh so I have this friend Pete who's a, a brother and a best friend who lives a couple of miles ago we went for a run this morning together we did 10k and uh we uh so we did a, a race across um uh, uh Exmoor and Dartmoor it's 100 and 106 miles uh we did it non-stop um and it was a storm started just as we were starting in April and um, it started just raining and it rained nonstop until the rain turned to snow and then to a blizzard. And we just, just kept on going. And that was, um, that was really brutal. And then uh, a year, uh, a year and a half ago, we did a race down the length of Wales. So that was 200 and 210 miles. And uh, the elevation was like climbing Everest twice, um, but five days. So, um, uh, so yeah, 
Oh my gosh. You, you and your buddy Pete ran 106 miles consecutive, just, just straight out. Yeah. So that was 38 hours. We, we, we got a, like a two half hour sleeps um, on the way, but you know, it was nonstop. That's like four marathons. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. You must've been a mess after that was done. Yeah. I, it's funny thing. Um, his feet, Pete's feet were pretty bad um, at one point. Um, so he went for a lot of pain. Um, and uh, it wasn't much fun kind of tidying up his feet either, but that was kind of Jesus like. Um, um, but um, there's a point you go through, like on the second night, um, where it's pitch black, it's this blizzard, you're, you're freezing cold, you've been going so long. And actually, I started hallucinating um just from the sleep deprivation and i remember looking up and i saw this massive cat like 10 you know 30 foot high cat smiling <laughs> a cheshire cat from Alice in luck and i'm like okay that's probably not really there is it? and um but yeah so and actually after that i felt great in terms of your running like have you had any like close calls any times you passed out any scary situations um yeah and and more towards the start i think i'm grown a little bit wiser um as hopefully actually i'm not even sure that's true so on that first run where my friend pete said james come along to this and i was totally i did not train properly and i didn't have the right gear and i ended up on on my own on top of a mountain in the Lake District <laughs> and I had no water left and the sun was setting and um, my battery, my torch were running down and eventually just quit and I had this kind of, I just had a kind of a map on my phone um, and the battery on my phone ran down and then I had this paper map but I couldn't see it because you know, and I was just stumbling on my own in the dark on a mountain. And at one point I fell off a small, but it was a cliff. I did fall <laughs> off a small cliff in the dark and, and, you know, and I, it was just crazy. And I look back at everything. That was absolutely, you know, that wasn't wise. Right. Um, and, uh, but, uh, I, I've made some better decisions, um, since then and, um, and some other ones as well. Is that <laughs> Um, but there's quite a few other stories like that as well. So. No, it's, it's good to get back into shape, but you, I mean, there's a big difference between getting back into shape, wanting to lose a few pounds and then running 106 miles or 210 miles. I mean, why just, can you explain why? Um, I, why I suppose, I mean, it's part of it that you, you know, you run a 5k and then you run a, when you've done that, you run a 10K and then you run a half and then you run a marathon and then you run a few. And I, I've run six or I've run seven marathons. Um, and, um, and then, and then there's more, but I think there's, there is a bit more than that, which is that um, it's, I think it's really good to, I like to see where my limits are um, and, and how far I can push. And what's quite, um, and I know I learn a lot from that, that when I, um, when I, 
push myself further than I think I can go, then actually I have to rely on God and he often gives me more. Um, I do all of these things. I, I do all these things with other people as well. And I love the comradeship, you know, that I have with, with me and my friend Pete or with me and my son, JJ. Uh, when we do these things, we do them together. And, um, you know, that, that example I gave of going through the night with my friend Pete, there was a bit early on, I was really, really struggling. And Pete was saying to me, James, we need to hurry up and we need to hurry up. And I said, Pete, I can't go any faster. Please stop telling me to go. <laughs> I can't do it. And, and thankfully, he just shut his mouth. And what he did was every fence we got to, and there's a lot of fences, he just ran ahead and he opened the gate for me. And then he, I ran through it slowly and then he <laughs> shut the gate and then he just let me, and then, you know, and then later on, you know, I was saying that his feet fell apart and like 20 hours later, he was lying there and I was, you know, picking out the blisters on his feet and bandaging them and doing that. And so you kind of meet each other's needs and wow. that's, that's, that's really, that's great. <laughs> now that, that's amazing. I, I ran a marathon one time and it did, there was a feeling of accomplishment like, okay, it's amazing what your body can do that you can do more than you think, and you can train up to almost anything, which is really impressive. It must give you a great sense of accomplishment. Yeah, yeah, there's, there, there is that. And I look back, and, and believe me, I was, I was really, really not an athlete at school. I ran one time from school um, in the London schools, um, cross country, and I came second to last out of 250 people. So <laughs> when, when I, when I, when I met, I had a bit of school reunion a few, uh, kind of a couple of years ago. And, um, and a couple of the guys followed me on a thing called Strava, which is an app. And, and they just like, what happened? I was this kind of really small, puny kid who was right at the back and the last one to be picked. And then, and then I, I line up like a couple of years ago, I, I, I got to run Boston Marathon. Oh my and, gosh. Uh, yeah. And it was just like, it's like when you line up at Boston, uh, it's just incredible. And um, it was a really good experience. And we went out with my wife, my daughter. We had two weeks. We stayed with JC and Shyla, who lead the church in Syracuse. And then a, a sister, Akira, who lives up in, in Montreal. And then, and then we went down afterwards to, to Florida, um, to uh, Virginia, with uh, Corey and Angela Stark. And we had this fantastic trip. In the middle of it was the Boston Marathon. And I, I don't think I'd realized what a big thing the Boston Marathon was, you know, on Patriots Day. Right. Today that the Americans got in, you know, got independence or uh, <laughs> started the fight. That's an odd thing to be an Englishman right. in Boston on on a running the Boston Marathon on Patriots Day. <laughs> that must be odd. It was good, but you have to qualify for Boston. I mean, it's you have to run, you have to do qualifying marathons and get a certain time. What was your qualifying time to get into the Boston? Yeah. Um, it was pretty, I had to run a, a, I knew exactly what I needed to run. And um, it was, uh, as a 50 year old man, you have to run, I had to run three hours, 24. And I ran three hours, 23 and 40 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> and I had nothing left at all. It was just, um, but, um, but uh, I like that. I like the sense that, that you, um, a verse which I'm really into at the moment is first Christians. Now it talks about, going into strict training that, you know, if you, 
compete in the games, you don't beat your body aimlessly. You go into strict training. And right now I'm, I'm training for another marathon at the moment. And um, I'm following a guide, a Hanson marathon guide. And I, each day I have a run to do. And three of those runs in particular, um, so six, and I have a, a distance to run and a speed to run. And, and I, I, I do that strict training. And I think that's really helpful for me in the rest of my life as well is I try and do that in every part of my life is to go into strict training um okay so and then I hunt around to find people who who will do all of those things with me so I um so when you say you have a guide do you have someone who's running with you setting the pace for you um what I (laughs) I have above above my desk I have a list of about 20 friends who all live near me um and they um and they all run and um some of them are christians and some of them are are not christians um and some of them are faster than me and some of them about the same pace and some of them are slow and and on a sunday night or monday morning I'll, i'll message out and i'll plan the week and i'll do six runs in a week and three of those are are really are fast runs um and i'll tend to pick people who are faster than me and i'll say hey Hey Ollie, hey, you know, to these friends of mine. Um, my friend Ollie, he he runs for GB. He's a uh, he's uh, he's like fourth in the world um, at fifty kilometers last wow. year. Oh my gosh! Um, and so it's a slow run for him. It's a really fast run. So he's chatting away and talking away. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> I can say some words on the downhill and um, <laughs> on the uphill. I, I'm just, uh, but he'll. Um, so we'll do a, uh, so I'll say to him, hey, can we do 16K at 4.35 per K pace? Oh and he'll gosh. go, fine. And he's just talking freely and relaxing, just chatting it up. And you're, you're just barely keeping your wind. Oh, absolutely. Like this last weekend, he did, a, he did a, uh, an event, a world unity run. It's some kind of COVID thing. So they're pit runners from all over the world. And he's one of about 15 runners from the UK. And he was running uh, for six hours, how far you can run. And he actually came first in the UK. He, he ran 52 miles in uh, six uh, um, hours, which is, uh, it's, it's ludicrous. It's That's like, amazing. You know, so he's like, um, yeah, so he ran a, a double, so he ran two sub three hour marathons back to back. Oh my gosh. Um, there is always somebody faster than you. Right. But, um, so you've kind of entered into this community of, of ultra marathoners and, and distance runners. Yeah. Um, was, that gra- yes, I have. was that gradual? Was that intentional, uh, accidental? Um, yeah, sort of accidental. And, and then more. I've tried out different things and I find things I like more. Um, I do try and make the rule, I have some rules for that. So I, I try and make the number one thing about relationships. I, I you know, relationships with, with fellow Christians and relationships with, with, with non-Christians and friends and, um, and, and that. So I won't do an event just because I fancy the sound of a, an event. Um, so the first one is about, I'll do an event because other people are wanting, you know, a friend of mine wants to do it. So, um, 
but fortunately there are other people who are like-minded on that so um there's a friend twambo who who runs leads the church in lusaka zambia and um and i've been doing some work with them as an architect um with the church and with the charity but twambo has also run um something called comrades which is the biggest ultra marathon in the world and it's 89 kilometers you, you um and uh he ran it a couple of years ago so next year um twambo i'm going to go out to to South Africa and Zambia and do some work with the architecture with Twambo um, on for Hope and, and the church. And they're building a new church out there and building some Hope facilities. And then we're gonna go down to South Africa and we're gonna do this crazy 20,000 people running 89 kilometers. That's like 56 miles oh from gosh. one city to the other. And um, I just, Twambo is just a fantastic guy and I get the opportunity to do that. Um, yeah, so. Um, if there's another, so um, I, I said that um, Don Downs was the guy who studied the Bible and baptized me back in right. Seattle. Right. So uh, come next um, next year, we're going off to the conference. My my wife and kids are going off to the conference in Florida, and uh, Don loves climbing fourteen thousand foot mountains. So um, after the conference, Don and I are going to go and climb a fourteen thousand foot mountain together. And um, uh, so. Now, I, I know Don and Vonda. Now, are there are there any mountains in Florida? <laughs> no, we'll, we'll, no, most of them seem to be in, in Colorado, where he's from. So, um, okay. we'll, we'll, but uh, we'll, we'll do a road trip. <laughs> I see. Got it. Got it. That's cool. That's great. Yeah. How? Tell me, how do you? I'm sure there are people wondering, like, how do you do that time wise? You've got this thriving architectural business that you're doing. You're really involved in church you've got strong relationships in the body and then you've got this training regimen i mean just the time itself must be crazy i mean do you get any sleep how do, how do you manage your schedule um i mean honestly covid has been fantastic so for the last year i've been working from home um and I, i'll go to a site visit once a week or two weeks but um uh, i do nearly all my runs which are either um in the morning before work or um, at lunchtime. Um, so I'll, I'll um, and like I say, I've got a, a gathering. And it's a lot, about, a lot about relationships as well. So, um, you know, the guy who disciples me, he, he uh, we go for a run together and that's our time together. And um, there's, a, there's a guy, a young guy, and we go out and we'll, we go for a long walk together. Um, so I, uh, my son, you know, we spend time together. We went for a run on Monday together. Um, and um, and usually if I'm spending time with my son or, or, or lots of these people, I'll, I'll do the run and then we'll get a coffee afterwards. But, um, but uh, so, I mean, there's a bit about that thing, strict training, um, you know, combining it and, and being disciplined with, with, uh, with time. Um, but uh, I find that, um, making it about relationships and about spending time with people and then figuring out who, who and when and what speed and those kind of things works works that's awesome your kids are following christ congratulations that's awesome what what's helped you as a parent um that's a good question um i think i made lots of bad mistakes um and um, but I do think that God has 
put into has knocked on my door and told me that I'm making some bad mistakes and um, I think hopefully I've listened to those things so and I, I think there's some big structural things that we, we we did at different times where things were not going well and and I and I um, I'm going to do see that my prime need is, is, you know, my number one job in life is to get my wife to heaven, you know, holy and perfect. And after that, my number two job is, is to get my kids to heaven. You know, you know as for me and my family, we will serve the Lord. That, that's our family motto. It's right. written in Latin over the beam. It's on our signet ring. It's, you know, under the, the thing. So, um, but to answer, so the big things were, there was a time when I was working abroad an awful lot. And, um, we um and i was away way too much um i mean i went to morocco 40 times in in four years and it's like a week trip and i was going to algeria and i was going to uh, beirut at the same time and exotic though some of that was and it was pretty good for my surfing as well um <laughs> it was um the surf in morocco is excellent by the way um it was um it wasn't great for my family and um and then things happen and god and my the 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 woman who owned the company died and I the project didn't actually need me going there anymore um and so I looked around and I, I made a decision to take a job where the work's in London and I could work a normal 40 hour week as opposed to a lot more than that and that was a that was for my kids number one um I think you know when my son said to me that day hey dad can we go and can we go can we do triathlon together I didn't want to do triathlon was expensive and I'm a rubbish swimmer um but <laughs> there's my son aged 15 wanting to do something with me and I just he said we're in the car and I bit my tongue and and I said thought for a few seconds I said sure son that'd be great and that was really good for us mm. um when we lived in a place where there were no other families and um um I we were looking and I was looking at doing I wanted to buy a field and build this dream modern house and um and God was felt like it was saying no to that <laughs> um and instead um a guy came uh, came to a bible talk we were having at one Christmas um a guy from America just happened to be passing through and he said that in his church they encourage people to live on the same street with other families if they can and I listened to that and it felt like God was talking to me. And so instead of buying a field and building this kind of glorious modern house somewhere, we moved to the place where there are the most other Christians with families. And that was, that was great. And so all of our kids became Christians one after the other. Wow. Um, so does that, does that answer it? I, I think Absolutely. <clears throat> lots of mistakes, but when I was, when I'd made mistakes, really making big decisions to, to put them first. Any, any advice to those who, who want to be better parents, feel like, man, I, I, I want to make right decisions. Um, you shared something there, making, making the big decisions, making the hard decisions, anything mm. else? Um, I, think, I think the most important thing is to spend time one-on-one -on -one with them. I got that advice. I went to a, a church, put on a, a parenting class and a great class. Um, uh, John Louis did it originally, and, and Adrian Hill 
taught it and it was great and he just went you know but the key thing was was so every week I'll spend time with one of my kids one-on-one and we'll spend time and I've done that since they were like two you know and um and so we have a great relationship and that's a, such a simple thing to do but it's really easy I, the other thing is is I think be open to what they want to do especially when it's spiritual stuff so <laughs> my daughter um my daughter came up to me and said dad it's a conference in, in America. We need to go. And I'm like, uh, yeah, 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 sure. Okay. And I wanted to go. I, I needed to. And anyway, I didn't do anything. And she reminded me about it. Um, Millie, this is. She was about, she was 15. And, and she reminded me about it. And eventually she got sick of it. So I was lying in bed, half asleep. And she came up with her laptop and my wallet. And she logged on to the, to the, to the website. And she said... Dad, here's, this is the credit card, isn't it? And I said, yeah, yeah, yeah. And she typed in the credit card number and she logged me and us all on to go to the conference. And, and what can I say? If, if your daughter wants to go to, to the kind of church conference, be around hundreds, thousands, thousands and thousands of other Christian teams, then, then you do it. You know, my son wanted to go off on the Hope Youth Corps. Um, and so that was a bit of money but it was like okay that's worth sacrifice right spiritual things are worth really putting first right. um now you've you talk, talking about your past 2003 you shared that you had actually led the a part of the london church can you share with me I mean, you've been doing a lot of different things. Uh, yeah. Share with me what, what happened there around 2003. Yeah, 2003 was 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 quite hard, I mean, in lots of places. And um, I mean, there were maybe things that needed change, but uh, it was really hard and very hard on a lot of people. And um, a particular uh, sector we're in had some great, staff members but for various reasons um in 2003 they all left um and um partly because we weren't paying any of them um <laughs> <laughs> which is good reason um and um so there was a group of uh, people um who were mainly bible talk leaders who came in and we really didn't know what we were doing and that whittled down quite quickly um and it ended up being um uh mainly um uh, a guy rubik lucian and myself for for many years um who, who led the church and um and it was great it was a fantastic experience um to do it um and uh and also at that time it was fantastic to um the church was it split uh, mohan talked about it in your recent podcast about it split into different congregations um, and uh, it was a lot of work with um, a number of people to to bring it back um, together into one church. And um, and has done a fantastic job. I've many others to strive for unity um, for that. Um, he shared that it had split up into nine different groups, and that Malcolm Cox was instrumental in pulling it all back together. Yeah. Yeah, it was. It was. We had these meetings. Originally, it was called the London Unity Group, and um, 
Um, I've got to admit the one thing it wasn't particularly was unified to start with. Um, <laughs> that was more, but, of an, more of an aspiration than a reality. Yes, huh? it was. It was a, a, a lofty goal. But Malcolm was, was a very calm and um, loyal and um, brought a sense. And we sung and we prayed. And I love that group. Um, and there were great people like Copes and Charles Ellicue. And, and then Mohan came back from India. And I... You know, I love those guys so much, and they they really fought. Um, and we all did for unity, and there are other people who came in from outside, Mike Fontenot, John Louis as well. Um, the two of those particularly um, were really helpful to outside. Um, yeah, yeah, good, and it's amazing to see how different things are now. I look back, and it's miraculous. It is miraculous, and and it's interesting because. I remember at the time hearing stories from London and London was one of the most hard hit churches in the kingdom. I mean, it was just sounded crazy from the outside Mm. being there on the inside from the beginning to the end. Is there anything that you go, boy, if we could have done things a little differently, we would have done this. What, what, if you could just go back and try to guide things in a different direction. What what would you do differently, if anything? Uh, I uh, well, I think I heard stories. Mike Fontenot helped a lot, like I say, and I heard stories from Virginia, and I visited Virginia since. And Virginia, it sounds like they had a had an eldership, a practicing eldership, and I think at that particular time when things went crazy. I think having an eldership, a stronger eldership would have, would have helped as a, as a kind of intermediary a bit. I think, I think, um, and I think that's a call for people to raise up and, you know, and, and do that. Um, I, I think there were and too many people who kept quiet, you know, um, because it became a kind of, kind of, evangelist versus ministry thing and there was a split and that was crazy and I think enough and more people more bible talk leaders more people who've been Christians a long time should have stood up and said this is wrong you know and um you know the ministers aren't aren't the enemy here you know Satan's the enemy here this is really wrong people shouting at each other and screaming and 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 running around is, is this isn't whatever whatever things have gone wrong this isn't the way to deal with it and 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 i wish i'd have stood up more and i wish other people you know um had been christians a, a while and you know leaders of one form or another or strong christian men which should have stood up i mean it's like when jesus god says you know i look for someone to stand in the gap i couldn't find anyone right there weren't enough people to stand in the gap a lot of people left at that time. You chose not to. What helped you to just stand firm and, and keep go, keep plugging away? That's a good question. Um, I, I had a great godly wife. Um, this really helps. Um, I, I think I got... I, I kept busy. Um, I saw there was, I think it really helped me to actually become part of that leadership group 
because there was a need. There was such a need. You know, the, the Riverside went from 330 down to about 100 in six months. I mean, and uh, it was just tearing itself apart. And there was such a need for, for people to, you know, on every different level, you know. Um, and um, so there was a need. I, I was a, I preached like once before then and uh, and suddenly I needed to kind of come up with a sermon like once every three weeks or something <laughs> and uh and you know do classes and and then you got rid of all the bible discussions and then we set one up and it was um so it was just good to be busy you know yeah, um yeah. I think that probably more than anything it was just you know there is work to do we're, we're, we're unworthy servants let's 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 serve and, and and do stuff and when you do that yeah, some of the other bigger things become, you know, some of the complaints and things are, are, are less important. When you when you look back on your your Christian life, what what surprised you along the way? What what did you not see coming? Um, I I didn't think it would be as good. <laughs> you know i i i thought this was i was looking for forgiveness of sin to not be such a bad person and i wanted to go to heaven um and i kind of thought okay this is going to be working hard for god and and then i'm going to get to heaven it's going to be brilliant but boy you know that thing life to the full i i've got i can't believe i mean how many good things have happened on the way and god's just given not just good stuff but like the crazy overwhelming dreams of my of my heart you know not just marrying the woman of my dreams and having these amazing kids you know um and having this incredible relationship with my with my children but um but all kinds of little things as well. Like my, you know, my dad worked on Sydney Opera House, an architect who worked on Sydney Opera House. And then what does God give me? He gives, gives me an opera house in Morocco, a fantastic opera. It's just been finished now. Um, you can Google it. Um, the, the Rabat Grand Theatre, King Mohammed VI. It's incredible. Um, and that's just like, that's a crazy thing. You know, you couldn't plan that. And, you know, like, I, uh, going off and, and standing at the start line at Boston and, and getting that the worst one of the worst athletes in my school going to do that <laughs> I just think and and I was so nervous speaking you know in my English I had to, you had to do a presentation and I was the one that just got laughed down and and be turned from that to somebody who's I mean I have I've spoken in front of the London church a thousand people and it's like that's it's, uh, it's amazing you know, so, so much more than I could possibly hope or imagine. Wow. That surprises me. When you look back, do you have any touchstones or acts of God that have reinforced your faith in his power? Um, well, some of those things I talked about are good, but I think it's a good question. I think the really big touchstones um, are where I was at my last um struggling and at my wit's end and I, and I didn't know what the solution was and I couldn't see anything and all I could do was was go out and pray to God so 
I talked about that when, you know, I, when I was, before I was a Christian, when I went out into the desert in, in Kenya and I prayed to God that I could find him. And, you know, like a month later, I'm, you know, invited off a church. So that's, to me, miraculous. But there, there are other things, like when I, when I met Amanda and fell in love, she had this hip um, issue, congenital hip problem. And I, um, I loved her and I realized as, I, as we were going out, you know, her health was really not good. And I made a, uh, we wrote our vows together. And I, I wrote a vow that I will make you well and keep you well. Oh. And Amanda didn't like me writing that. And um, and I had no idea. And it was a crazy, and everyone questioned me about it. But I did that. And um, it's miraculous. She, uh, a couple of years after we got married, she had a hip replacement. And that was great. But right, but and we've done, um, so we, we took up swimming. We did Kung Fu together for about eight years and that was good and then about five years ago we took up swimming together and uh, she's an incredible swimmer now so we did a we did a combined 5k with the kids swim and she can easily do 2k swim just just like that she's um uh and uh, and we do pilates together as well and her health now is is amazing you know she is so that's miraculous to me um but that hope that i had um is is amazing and then i, I think another one which is really big um is about my um it's about you know where the church was back in 2003 and past that and my kids with that because i just saw the church shrinking each year i had to kind of keep track of the membership and and every year I, it was smaller than the year before and and what was worse than that was that every year kids would go up into what the sort of was a teen ministry and they didn't want to be part of it and they didn't it was always an effort and they either they didn't become christians or they didn't become christians didn't stay and in all those years there's only one child who became a christian um, and stayed a christian and that was my friend rubik's daughter um and my own son didn't want to be at church and he was like and he would say oh, I don't know if I believe in God I don't think he really believed that but you know he really didn't want to be in church and I was like this is terrible and this is not right and I just prayed about it and then God sorted out and Corey and Angela Stark came over there there's this master church builders and they we merged the three little congregations together and the church just immediately just turned around and um, got this great team ministry and all these kids I was talking about who live around here all started becoming Christians and then my son became a Christian and my daughter and and now you know if I compare that bleak moment I had back in the whatever it was uh, 2006 2007 when the church was so down and I just couldn't see a solution it was just getting worse to what the situation now that 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 makes me it's god that 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 um that's special yeah it makes me think of coming out of covid and a lot of people that are really down i've certainly had my challenges just feeling like man this is such a challenging time and yet what i see there is your perseverance was rewarded and mm -hmm. God, God came through 
from those from those dark days. And it's so inspiring because the church is doing so well in London now, and and people like you have have stu- stood firm when when it would have been easy to leave, and many did. When you were you about, go ahead, you're about to say something. Uh, yeah. I, it's just, it's so, I can't say, I can't describe to you. We're just overflowing with how good things are now. And I mean, we, we, we're part of a Bible talk. We don't lead it, um, but we, we, we help out. Um, and, um, and, and it's just reminding me how different things are. Mm-hmm. You know, we didn't see any baptisms back then, but um, in the last uh, two years, we've had uh, uh, six, six people, three couples have um got baptized and a part of the bible talk so the bible talks doubled in the last two years three years and we got um a korean couple who are fantastic accountants and um and a young couple uh, fergal and izzy and um and just 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 recently uh uh trevor and jade uh, terry and jade as well and it's just um and other people uh fergal's uh sister uh yeah fergal's youngest sister so just to see baptisms happening all over the place as well it's just just incredible from what from what it was just 10 years ago going back to your to your wife amanda when you got mm. married you said i'm going to make you well and i'm going to keep you well mm. that's what you promised you made a vow and at, so at the time that you got married her her hip was so bad she couldn't walk or there was a danger that she may not may lose her mobility yeah um she um yeah it's hard um and and she was she's a woman who never complains um um but you know when you get to know somebody better you you start seeing more and more and i i made some bad mistakes i arranged a date where i thought we were parking right next to the restaurant and it'd be a little walk and it ended up being like two or three mile and that's really hard for her to walk that far um and she had a stick but she didn't try not to use it um and she'd rest up all day just so she could come on for a date with me on a saturday you know when we're going out um and it was getting worse you know she thought she'd end up in a wheelchair um so that was that was hard that's inspiring though you made that promise and then now she's (laughs) she's she can swim she can walk that's amazing yeah so inspiring it's totally god's power when you think when you think about your life and, and this is why i want to talk to you james because you, you've you've you're successful in your career in your architecture you're developing great buildings and that's amazing in your personal life you you're doing amazing things with your ultra marathoning your private life your relationship life is your kids are Christians. You've got a great marriage. You've got a loving long-term marriage in the face of challenges. And spiritually, you're bearing fruit. Um, you've gone through tough times and held on. It's very inspiring when you look at the complete picture. When you think about your life, what does it mean to you to live a no-regrets life? If you want to go for have a no-regrets life, you need to keep a, a, a vision and, and a willingness to do things which are um, you're not particularly sure whether you can do. Um, and I think to have a confidence in a loving father um, that he wants to give you 
you know, the desires of your heart um, and, and more. You know, so when my son said to me, being a dad helps a lot because it helps me know how much God loves me because <laughs> I love my kid. So, so when my son said to me in that car, do you want to, let's do triathlon together. I, 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 I didn't want to do it, but I said, yeah. And I threw everything into that. And that was amazing. You know, when we finished the Italy Ironman together, and he was 18 and I was, that was incredible. I'm so glad for that. But God, you know, I, I, I think it's a sense of, uh, of adventure and keeping that and keeping that going. I, I, I don't, you know, so many Christians and so many Bible characters don't end up well. Um, and the people that inspire me, are, you know, are, are Caleb, who, who, you know, he's, when he's 85, who's like, give me the hill country. <laughs> or Paul, who's, who's, you know, he's in jail and he's, he's writing letters and he's preaching to the guards and people have come. And, and I want that as I get, I've made so many mistakes in the past. Mm -hmm. And I want as I get older, to hopefully make less mistakes, but still to be bold and to try new things. So, um, you know, at the moment I, I'm, 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 I'm trying, um, there's a call for, for teachers to raise up. We're not, we haven't got a teaching ministry really in the, in the UK and uh, we need it. We need to have some teachers. So that's something which I'm, I'm looking at and I'm working at. And I, I came off the call before this to a guy, Simon Dinnin, who's sort of the main guy here. And he, I've asked him to mentor me in that. And Mohan's kind of encouraging me as well. And um, so I, I'm, I'm going full into that, you know, and um, uh, let's, let's give it a go um, and, and develop that and, and, and being fresh. And I think actually, you know, the sport and the running kind of helps me in that kind of way. Um, you know, I've got a marathon next week in a week's time and I'm going for a PB. I'm going to try and take 10 minutes off my time and I've been training for it really hard. And I think training, you train for something, you go into strict training and you go for it, you push for it. And maybe you make it and maybe you go down in flames. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but, but it's more fun trying for that, you know. So like maybe the teaching doesn't work out you know, um, but something else will, because I've got a loving dad who wants to give me more than I could possibly imagine. But if I don't try something, if I don't give something a, a go, you know, no one's holding me back, you know, only, only I'm holding me back. Right. So that's a no regrets life. Wow. It's, you know, trying crazy stuff. And, um, heck. <laughs> right. What, what is your current personal best in, in the marathon? I was at 323. Oh my gosh. Um, I ran to, to get Boston. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. So any final words, any advice for, for a person who's listening and whether they want to uh, succeed in, a, in a, a secular career like you've done, or they want to do ministry, but they know for sure they want to make this life count. They want to squeeze as much as possible out of this life before heaven. Any advice that you would give them? Any words of encouragement? Um, I there's a young guy who who uh, is kind of struggling with his faith at the moment, um, yeah, but because he's focusing too much on on on, it, on his focus on his work, and he and I mean it might make me think about when you when you said that. I, I think you know 
God gives us in the Bible and with Christians and um, all the answers of how to live life and to be successful. You know, it, it, it's the same. It's the same thing if you want to be successful as a Christian, if you want to be successful as a marriage, in your marriage, if you want to be successful with your kids, if you want to be successful in work, if you want to be successful in sport, it's the same guiding principles, you know, uh, living life to the full, um, um, uh, going into strict training, you know, these same verses, these same things we learn, um, being open, um, this the same things um, working at something of all of your heart the same principles that you have are are equal so if you if you just focus on being a better person being a better christian if it's changing um continue to self transform um then i think that will make you better all those things um so you get get to go to heaven you get to meet god and and um, and on the way, you get to have an amazing, no regrets life. Anything you you would say offers a warning? Anything you say, if there's one thing you need to avoid, it's this. Any traps, obstacles, anything that looking back, you go, boy, watch out for this area. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think... The, the the world lies about work you know um and um uh, you know a profession like architecture is one where most people who are architects believe that the most important thing in life is architecture um and um you know they're like they're like <laughs> they're like christians you know it's just it's just art, the world of architecture um is, is there and it just that can just and I think too many Christians fall for that, um, that crazy lie that um, that society is, is peddling us um, and works peddling us. Um, so I think that's, that's a big one is, is understand how important work is, which it has an importance and understand how to, how to work at it and do it well, but it's only a, you know, and, and, and I think prioritize, no, I have written down my priorities in a list and I look back at that list. It was really, when I got it really wrong and my priority, my real priority, if, if you looked at it and in reality was work. And so when my boss said, there's a client meeting in Algeria next week, you need to be there. I was fine even though that was missing my son's birthday from second year in a row. Now, there was no way I should have done that. That's me getting my priorities totally wrong. And I think we need to say, for everybody needs to work out what their priorities are and then hold to those tenants in life. You know, so it's God, your spouse, if you have one, your children, if you've got one, um, uh, church, um, the, and I think there's a difference in God and church. Um, your health should be there. Your parents should be there. Um, uh, and then maybe it's work yeah. or maybe it's your home. Um, and then maybe your hobbits and, and things like that. But people need to know what your priorities are. And I, I mean, I've got for my own mistake. Um, and then make sure you keep to those. Yeah. Great advice. Well, James, thanks so much for taking the time to talk to me. And 
I certainly am inspired to see you go from that young, smiling young man with so much passion and fulfill God's purpose for your life and continue to grow into your 50s. And I know 30 years from now, uh, if we're both still alive, I know you'll still be on the same track. And it's very inspiring to watch it. Thank you for sharing today. Thank you so much for listening to the Rob Skinner Podcast. If you're enjoying it, please let me ask you a favor. Tell your friends. Tell them how to find it. Let your church friends and your family know. Please spread the word. Because my goal is to inspire you to make this life count, live a no-regrets life, and multiply disciples, leaders, and churches. Have a great day and make this life count.